Section 21 of The Twin Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by T.R. Love of Pleasant Hill, California. The Twin Mystery by Nicholas Carter. Section 21. The Murderer. Events developed rapidly in Philadelphia while Patsy was having his fight with Masson and defeating the abduction scheme. Before they had discussed Ida's information long, both Nick and Chick had arrived at the same conclusion. They believed they had found the murderer in Philadelphia and that Nick's instinct that Masson was not the person guilty of the murder of Ethel Romney had been right from the first. We must move without delay, Chick, said Nick. Our rescue of Ida will inform this man that we are in town, and he will run. To make our conclusions a dead certainty, said Chick, we ought to prove that George McCrane was in New York on the day of the murder. We'll take the chances and prove it afterward, said Nick grimly. Come. Where? asked Chick. To see the chief of police. At this hour? It is three in the morning. He'll have to stand for it. They went out and woke up the chief of police, who, understanding the situation, summoned two officers, whom he put at the disposal of Nick. The four then set out for the house of McCrane, arriving there a little after four in the morning. They approached the house cautiously, concealing themselves where they could watch it. A light was burning in the third-story window, which Nick fancied was the window of the room occupied by George McCrane. As they watched, two men came down the street and, rapping at the door of the McCrane house, asked for George. They were told that he had not yet returned home. Chick's sharp eyes recognized one of these men as one of those that had opposed their rescue of Ida. These two men sat down on the lower step of the McCrane house. They mean to wait for George McCrane, said Nick. They did not wait long, for in ten minutes' time a man was seen approaching from the opposite direction. The two men stood up to meet him. What they told him could not be heard by Nick and Chick, but it was followed by a frightful explosion of oaths and curses from George McCrane. So frantic indeed was this outburst that Nick thought it proceeded from a craven fear of the result. Touching Chick and bidding the officers to follow, Nick slipped across the street, closely approaching the three men before they were seen. Laying his hand on the shoulder of McCrane, Nick said, George McCrane, you are my prisoner. I want you for the murder of Ethel Romney. The shock was so sudden that McCrane dropped to the pavement in a heap. If the other two had been disposed to make a resistance, they were too much astonished at the charge made against their employer to offer any. They stared in open astonishment and made no show of objecting when the officers took them in charge. George McCrane soon recovered possession of himself, and rising, said rather tremblingly, to be sure, You must be wild to charge me with that. Ethel Romney is in New York. 
She is in Greenwood by this time, said Nick. I couldn't have done her. She in New York and me here, said McCrane, growing bolder as he talked. She's been there a week or more. It is useless, McCrane, said Nick. We know the whole trick. You were in New York yourself. You laid the game up well, but we know it. You knew there was a man in New York who was following Ethel's sister. You were told you looked like him. You saw him, and you trimmed your whiskers to be exactly like him. Nick stopped and looked at McCrane. What he had been saying was purely guesswork, but he saw that he had hit home. You called at Mrs. Constance's home at eight o'clock on the night of the murder, giving the name of Masson. You were told that Mrs. Constant had gone out to the dressmakers. You knew that wasn't so. You knew it was Ethel who had gone out, but thereby you found out where she had gone to. You went to the dressmakers and waited till she came. You tried to speak to her as she went in. Then you went into the coach and waited. When she came to enter it, she saw you and screamed, but you pulled her in and shut the door. The coach drove rapidly up the avenue, and during that drive, you shot her, for she had told you that she was done with you forever and meant to live with her sister. When the coach was checked at 58th Street, you stepped out, crossed the street, and going down 58th Street, you bowed to a man at nine o'clock who spoke to you as Masson. Half an hour later, on the corner of 57th Street and 5th Avenue, you talked for a few minutes with a man who stopped you and called you Masson. You made yourself conspicuous in other places when you thought suspicion could be thrown on Masson. Then, when you thought you had done enough, you started back to Philadelphia. But one of my aides was on the train. We were on your track. We were bound to land you as we have landed you. Turning to the officers, Nick said, Take us to the lock house. Chick, have you handcuffs? Chick had not, but one of the officers had, and McCrane was ironed. It was daylight when Nick and Chick returned to their hotel to snatch a brief sleep. Early in the morning they were out, making the proof strong that McCrane had been in New York. They wired for Patsy to come on, with Moran and the storekeeper of 6th Avenue that Chick had dug up by an early train. On their arrival, they positively identified McCrane as the man seen entering and leaving the coach. Patsy, on his arrival, reported his experiences with Masson and the rescue of Mrs. Constant and Edith. Though Patsy told it with all modesty, Nick knew that Patsy had performed a most gallant and heroic deed, and so said, but it was not until he returned to New York that he learned how gallant and brave the deed was. Speaking of the curious development of the case, Nick said, From the first I felt that Mrs. Constant's natural bitterness toward Masson had misled her judgment. I never did believe that he did the murder. The strange thing is that Mrs. Constant did not give greater importance to the feeling of McCrane toward Ethel. However, she has a hold on Masson now, and if she will follow my advice, Masson will see the inside of a prison for his evil deeds. He deserves it.
but he did not. When Mrs. Constant learned that she had unjustly charged Masson with the murder of her sister, she seemed to feel that she had done him an injury which she could atone for only by refraining from following up the advantage she possessed. Masson fled to Europe, so that Mrs. Constant is now free from his persecutions. McCrane lies under conviction of murder in the first degree and awaits execution. He has confessed, saying that he visited New York to force Ethel to return with him, and finding that he had lost her and all control of her, in a fit of anger he killed her. Mrs. Constant devotes herself to her kennel, but her grief for the death of her sister is so great that she is a broken woman. When Patsy wants to be particularly swell, he sports a fine diamond ring that Mrs. Constant gave him in recognition of his bravery when he prevented her abduction by Masson. The case is referred to by Nick Carter's outfit as Patsy's triumph, and as such, is not easily forgotten. End of the Twin Mystery by Nicholas Carter